Here he is, the man, the myth, the legend. Hello, Lindsay Carr. It is Dennis Stewart and Health Naturally. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. <laughs> Look, what, a, what an intro. What well, an intro. It's all downhill from here, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. A big, a big program between now and one o'clock okay. for you. Are you going to take a look at what's stinging nettle? Look, I think we will. Um, you might recollect, or listeners might recollect, that a number of weeks ago, Jane and I were talking about uh, herbs, and I mentioned that I did a field excursion with a group of people from Sydney on the Central Coast to identify herbs. And I used a book entitled How to Enjoy Your Weeds by the English writer. <laughs> That's a book title and a half. <laughs> and, and look... Uh, it's not the 60s the, anymore, Dennis. <laughs> one of the herbs mentioned in that book, that excellent book, um, was stinging nettle. And people might think it quaint and rather unusual that a herb that has such an obnoxious reputation has, in fact, so many benefits that it warrants her spending a bit of time looking at this remarkable herb, which some consider to be a weed. I don't consider it to be a weed. Good afternoon, Kerry. You have a question for Dennis in and around turmeric. I was taking turmeric for a while in a tablet mm -hmm. form, mm -hmm. and I'm just wondering, you know, is it any good? Like, I believe that taking turmeric, you've got to take loads of it, so I'm a bit confused as okay. to... Okay, look, you, you are pretty right. If you are using turmeric, that is the, uh, the herb, mm. uh, rather than the extract, you do have to take a large amount of it in order to be able to elicit any serious uh, therapeutic benefit. Uh, and the other thing is, if you were to use um, turmeric, the herb, you would also need what's called a synergist, something that would work with it, something like black pepper, uh, in order to cause it to be better assimilated. Now, if on the other hand, uh, you are wanting to use turmeric uh, for its therapeutic benefits, and they're largely directed at inflammatory conditions, joint problems, etc. Yeah, yeah. The, the better way to do, do it, in my opinion, is to um, use what's called the extract of turmeric. Okay. Uh, that is what's called its active principle. And that um, principle is called curcumin. It's, All right, uh, it's, yeah. re it's referred to as a curcuminoid. And what you and listeners need to realise is that frequently in uh, medicinal plants turmeric being an example, you can in fact locate one or more so-called active principles which largely explain an important aspect of, of the therapeutic benefit. So with turmeric, whilst it's a great uh, food herb to use uh, regularly in one's diet, and let me emphasize, a regular use of turmeric in the diet is, is very, very beneficial, particularly uh, for, the, for the gut and for the large bowel in particular. Uh, so right. I, I certainly encourage the use of turmeric as a herb uh, blended with black pepper and used regularly as a food during the day. There's evidence to suggest that using the herb as a food substance on a regular basis does have some preventative effect on conditions of the large bowel. But on the other hand, if you are wanting to harness its uh, major therapeutic use these days, which is inflammatory joint disease, you would have to, in my opinion, use a preparation that has a standardised level of curcumin in it and usually, again, with a synergist, 
and that is a better way of using it if you're addressing something like mild arthritis or those sorts of conditions. Thank you very much, Kerry. Faye at Glendo, you're standing by. You've got a question for Dennis on osteoarthritis. Yes, Dennis. Um, I was just wondering if you have anything in your pills and potions that might help. I just found out that I've got moderate osteoarthritis and I've also got a tear in my menstrual or something other I can't think of the name of it and I'm on a walking stick at the minute while it heals but I just wondered if you had anything that might help that and uh, the osteo as well well look I think we can say something about the osteo that uh, is 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 positive With, with, with osteoarthritis particularly if you get it reasonably early um my experience has been that using preparations based on glucosamine and chondroitin and yes. or, and or the New Zealand green-lipped muscle. Yes. Interestingly, the New Zealand green-lipped muscle is, is a food, obviously, but it also contains significant levels of glucosamine. So yes. both principles or both preparations have a pretty good reputation for helping stabilise Uh, joint deterioration, particularly in osteoarthritis. Now, I know that glucosamine and chondroitin are the popular uh, agents. In fact, I uh, developed a product of my own based on that. But interestingly, interestingly, it was the New Zealand green lip muscle many, many years ago that first led to uh, the British medical journal known as The Lancet calling up an article by a British doctor who treated a very compromised elderly lady in Glasgow Homeopathic Hospital in the outpatients department, uh, and she was very compromised, and he had reached the end of his uh, therapy as to steroids, etc., and he had heard about the New Zealand green lip muscle, and he placed this lady rather tentatively on the New Zealand green lip muscle, and the result was so outstanding that it caused him to write the paper which was a controversial paper, but written up in the British Medical Journal. But it also led to the New Zealand green lip muscle being seen around the world as an agent that had credibility and should be seen as something to be utilised in conditions such as osteoarthritis. So even though glucosamine and chondroitin uh, are very popular and very, very good, don't overlook the New Zealand green lip muscle. And in my opinion, a combination that would incorporate glucosamine, chondroitin and the New Zealand green lip muscle would be useful for your developing osteo. Dennis, got another call for you from Greg at Alibana. Greg, your wife has got some neuralgia, I believe. That's right. Hello, yeah. Greg. How are you going, Dennis? Good. What sort of neuralgia is it, Greg? Is it uh, Going tri- up into her head. Is it trigeminal or is it post-herpatic neuralgia? I don't know, Dennis. Has she, has she had shingles? No. Okay. So this is a neuralgia that's uh, arising from the cheek and going into the head. That's right. You get okay. sharp pains. And okay. That's, yeah. that's, that's what you, what's probably called trigeminal neuralgia. Trigeminal. And, and it's a very, very painful condition and not yeah. easy to treat medically or naturopathically. Has it she been? takes Lyrica. Yes, correct. Um, and look, that's a, a good medication for it. Um, however... Uh, some benefit I have experienced in the past by using a couple of techniques. I remember treating a dear old lady um, in Carriog on the central coast 
a dear yeah. lady. Uh, I used to go up there every Sunday afternoon um, after her church, and I would treat her uh, with acupuncture. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it, her, her, her condition responded remarkably well to continual weekly treatments with acupuncture therapy. Right. So it's something not to be shrugged or put to one side. I can vouch for the efficacy of that procedure in as much that I have helped a lot of people in the past when I practiced acupuncture, and I'd still hear of people getting benefit for that sort of condition with acupuncture. So if she yeah. hasn't had it, it might be uh. worthwhile uh, seeking out an acupuncturist, and there's some good ones in Newcastle, and uh, having a talk to the acupuncturist and undergoing a, a series of treatments. That's principle number one. Now look, there are a couple of herbs that have a reputation of benefit for this, and usually they are prescribed in a combination. Okay. Uh, uh, two of the most important herbs that I have used are not that easily procured, um, but they are available, put it that way. Uh, Your rooms? Um, I can't say so, but they're available, put it that way. <laughs> now, the, the, two, the two herbs, if you have a pencil and paper, yep. one of them is called Jamaica Dogwood. Now, I know that sounds rather weird. How do you spell that? Uh, Jamaica, ordinary Jamaica. Jamaica Dogwood, which indicates uh, the bark of a tree from the Caribbean, which was called uh, Dogwood. Now, right. it has a recognised uh, mild analgesic benefit, which is used a lot for neuralgic conditions. Hang, one hang of on, which Dennis. What, what was that word you just threw out there? Analgesic. Meaning? Uh, uh, pain relieving. Okay. So, okay. I saved you the trouble and embarrassment of asking that question, Greg. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, so it, it has a good reputation. Look, I've used it a lot in my years, mainly for treating very, very stubborn and painful migraine conditions. Yeah. But I have used it occasionally for treating facial neuralgia, and it has given me some benefit. Again, again, it would yeah. be foolish to say this is the answer to this condition. All that I'm saying is it's one of a number of remedies that I have used in the past with some degree of benefit. Now, the second herb yeah. is, is a, an English herb and well-known in English herbalism, and it was made famous by a northern Englishman, a herbalist that uh, I got great benefit from, a herbalist called William Smith. Now, um, he wrote a book, interestingly, uh, that was called Wonders in Weeds. We're talking wonders about in wonders in weeds today. We've talk <laughs> we spoke earlier about how to enjoy your weeds by the English, <laughs> by the English writer Audrey Hatfield, but uh, William Smith was a professional herbalist and wrote a number of other works. In fact, he was very much associated with the National Institute of Medical Herbalists in the UK, which still exists. He was an examiner uh, for that association. He wrote the book, Wonders in Weeds, which I have a copy of, and it's, yeah. un it's underrated because the name implies that it's a fairly trivial, folksy work, where, in fact, it's a great text on medical herbalism, and Wood Betney is presented there by Smith, and the whole tradition of English herbalism as being a useful remedy for stubborn pains, particularly in the face that right. move to the yeah. scalp. So those two herbs, if I uh, was treating your wife, they would be the herbs that I would be drawing on and standardising a dose and seeing if that might lessen her dependence upon 
stronger medication. Thank you very much, Greg. Another phrase you dropped earlier on, yes. Dennis, is one that you, you throw out all the time. Yes. I can speak to its efficacy. Efficacy, okay. Look, that's uh, uh, efficacy <laughs> means its effectiveness. Yeah, I, I got it, but I just <laughs> thought I'd mention it. Herbs are efficacious little entities. <laughs> <laughs> they have efficacy that can be demonstrated. Good afternoon, Gavin from Soldiers Point. You've got a question on uh, what Dennis was talking about last week, which is honey production. Uh, yes, mate. Um, I'm just wondering whether Dennis could uh, put me on to a couple of local beekeepers or something up here for a start. I, I want to talk about something else uh, besides that. But, um, yeah, to start with, I, um, I have to use public transport, so... Um, it takes me a bit to get around. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I want to get on to a local producer of honey up around Nelson Bay if I can. Gavin, okay. what we might do there, we might let Dennis have a yarn to you uh, afterwards. So if you stay on the line, we'll get some details for you. Do you have another question, though? Yeah. Um, I've been listening to you for quite a few weeks. I've, I love uh, your horticultural background because I also have a horticultural background. Good, good. But I've taken up your suggestion about um, ginkgo and yes. bilberry yes. and um, also uh, eating uh, primrose okay. yep. and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I can sort of feel that that uh, it's starting to have an effect, even though I've only been on it for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the capsicum tablets. So... I will get back to you um, and uh, see how I progress because I do do feel it is having an effect. Well, keep keep in mind that most of the things that I recommend uh, are herbs that usually take a little while to achieve their optimum benefit and are usually herbs that are used to address chronic conditions, can, uh, side effects of things like uh, diabetes, where ginkgo and, and primrose oil and, and bilberry, in my opinion, are some of the most important supplements that one should take. Keep in yep. mind, and I say this to all listeners, keep in mind that you can take too many things, too many supplements, and your, your basic health still needs to come from what you put in your belly. But having, oh, yeah. having said that, having said that, I'm a great exponent of the idea that many human uh, disease conditions can be prevented, uh, eased, offset, managed very frequently by using some of these gentle remedies, some of which you've just mentioned. So I'll be happy to get feedback from you down the track, and I will talk, talk to you later about your question regarding supply of honey from where you are. Yeah, stay on the line for us there, Gavin. Look, uh, Dennis, you want to talk uh, today about weeds now mm-hmm. uh the fact that are, we, are, are all weeds bad i mean or is that just like an umbrella term for just certain types of plants well that's my opinion i, I tend to think that the word weed um conveys some very disparaging factors because you think weeds that's plants. something i've got to get in there with the Correct. tools and get Correct. it off and, and that's generally the way in which the message of weeds is presented and look there is a point where weeds uh, do need to be eradicated, particularly if you're a pastoralist and uh, and you'll, you've got fodder crops down, the last thing you want uh, for what are called weeds to be interfering with that. But having said that, having said that, we also need to appreciate that many weeds, particularly those growing in marginal areas, in our backyards, on the roadside, even driving down 
from the hunter this morning, the the number of how can you call them medicinal plants that are along the roadside is quite incredible. So when I talk about weeds, I talk about them from the point of view of looking at these things which can be a menace under certain circumstances, but which also can be seen of having great value. And this is where I think uh, Audrey Hatfield's book, How to Enjoy Your Weeds, is a remarkable little introductory work looking at some of the common weeds that grow here, not just in England, they grow here, and how they can be valuable uh, at multiple levels. And one, one of those would be the stinging nettle. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. My dear old uh, father-in-law, who's, who's passed away and gone to heaven, um, he was uh, on the New England during the Depression. Um, and he was a fencer, he was a shearer, and we used to have some good talks. And he told me that during the Depression, um, it was very, very common in the New England for people to actually harvest nettle and cook it as a pot vegetable, as Audrey Hatfield talks about in her book, and that together with another uh, herb called fat hen, but <laughs> nice <name>. fat, <laughs> that they were staple vegetables for people who had no money and who were living basically from hand to mouth, uh, shooting and trapping rabbits and using some of these very nutritious plants one of which was the stinging nettle. And stinging nettle is just as valid today if one knows how to use it and cook it as it was then. So obviously that the stinging nettle yep. in particular, a, a mm. really good herb, which I'll let you explain why in a moment. Yep. Why, how, however, do you think, Dennis, that a lot of these uh, yep. plants as, as cooking, as a culinary delight, yep. if you will, how, why did they go out of vogue? Oh, I think it's very easy. I think other um, uh, things came along that were perhaps easier to grow, that had a uh, perhaps a more popular uh, aura about them. Um, horticultural industries developed new crops and some of these older things. Now, keep in mind here, some of these herbs we're talking about were staple vegetables a couple of hundred years ago. Now, you heard me talk there, Mark, about a herb called fat hen. I did. My wife and myself collect fat hen when it's, in, when it's growing and we collect it, believe it or not, behind the men's shed in Cessnock, in the old um, hospital grounds there. A particular time of the year, a fat hen will be up beautifully. Now we collect that and it, you, you cook it. It tastes better than cabbage. And I'll tell you a little story that will point out the importance of these weeds. I'm getting wound up now. But with, with fat hen, botanically known as Chetopodium album, it was the most popularly used pot herb in Europe for hundreds of years for hundreds of years, and it crossed the channel and became a vegetable in England where it became known as Meldes, M-E-L-D-E-S. And interestingly, interestingly, Melbourne, the city, is named after Meldes. And so when I'm in Victoria, in Melbourne, teaching my postgraduate students, tongue in mouth I will say, that a better name for Melbourne would be Fat Hen. And they don't take it very well. But <laughs> Would you, if it was your town? <laughs> oh, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe a bit of coal or something. But my, my point is, yeah. here we have two herbs considered to be weeds, used in the past as pot herbs, staple vegetables, still as good today as they were then, lost sight of as to how to harness them, but yet valuable, accessible, and if one knows how to handle them, and particularly with the nettle, how to handle it, because the moment you, you, you cook nettle, it's lost its sting. Mm. But 
nettle is, should be seen with herbs like fat hen and even yellow dock as potential vegetables and foods, and Hatfield's books are beauty for talking about the way of harnessing them. And good afternoon, Barbara from Rutherford. You have a weed question for Dennis, in fact, onion weed today. Yes, it's not actually Barbara anymore. It's Bruce off change, you see. <laughs> How are you, Bruce? Very well, thank you, Dennis. Good, good, good. Yeah, is there any, any use, good use for onion weed besides okay. giving a patient trying to get rid of it? Find a use for it, it'll probably all die, but we've got to find a use for it. Okay. Look, I don't think so. Disappointingly, I don't think so. But having said that, the fact that it's called onion weed uh, obviously is associated with the, with the the odor that comes from the plant when you when you pull it or dig it up, which means that it might belong to what's called the alium family, A double L I U M. Now, I I haven't got the botanical name of that uh, weed, if you like, in front of me, but if it belongs to the alium family, it's likely it's likely to have some characteristics similar to onion, but what I mean, why worry if you if you're going to use onion, use onion. But it yeah, uh, it it probably has a chemistry similar to onion, belonging to the allium uh, family. But no, I I couldn't uh, recommend any uh, obvious or historic use of it. Thank you very much. A weed only a plant you don't want in where it is. I mean, That's, roses can be a weed in, was, a, in a paddock, can't I it? was talking to Mark about that only uh, when we started the program, that uh, uh, someone said to me years ago that uh, a weed is a plant in the wrong place. That's and, right. And there's a lot of truth in that because uh, um, uh, so many um, plants um, uh, are beautiful uh, things in the right place but can become an obnoxious thing when they take off and uh, and filter through to areas where they shouldn't be. Bruce, I've got to ask you, have you sent Barbara out to uh, dig the onion weed out of the garden, have you? Because she was on the phone first and you've uh, sent her off to the garden, have you, mate? No, no. I try and dig that stuff out of heaps of it. <laughs> Fair enough. We're moving on to Jean and you've got a sore throat. You live in Melbourne, Jean, or are you visiting Melbourne? Yes. You're from uh, Melbourne? I'm living in Melbourne, from Melbourne, yes. You listen to the program frequently, yes. don't you, Jane? Yes, I talked to Dennis yeah. a few times. He always helped me. Thank yeah, you. Dennis, I yeah, recently have a sore throat. Yes. And yes. Uh, I've been to the doctor, yes. and he said it was uh, caused by viral infection. Yes. yes. Uh, but it seems it doesn't go away. It's not uh, uh, very bad that I can't swallow food, but it's just okay. there and quite annoying yeah look a couple of little things that might help you keeping in mind that any condition that is reluctant to to resolve should be kept in touch um, with a medical practitioner but i'm presuming at this stage what you're saying is the uh, the bulk of the condition has been resolved but you have some lingering symptoms of discomfort okay look what i would suggest you do is pretty straightforward Uh, get get hold of a high grade manuka honey yeah. And also, go and get some sage tea. Now, sa- okay. sage is a herb. In fact, you can purchase it from the supermarket in little packs. And what you would do, you would make a tea of sage by putting a teaspoonful of the powdered herb into a coffee cup, pouring on boiling water, letting it stand until it was warm, straining it, and then blending in a teaspoonful or two of manuka honey. Then okay. You, then use that 
as a gargle, using, uh, using it a couple of times a day, preferably warm. A combination of the soothing effects of Manuka plus its mild antibiotic characteristics in conjunction with what we know about sage that is specifically, specifically used in herbal medicine for throat pathologies, I'd be surprised if you didn't resolve this fairly quickly. So what you're saying is, by the way, thank you, Gene Dennis, that if, if I would have done all of that at age yeah. 10 when I had massive sore throats, uh, I wouldn't have had to have had my tonsils out. Well, look, Maybe. You, you could argue that, but, um, you know, it depends upon where the sore throat was coming from. Uh, if it was a tonsillar condition, you may well have had to have had it out, but I've helped many, many mm. people over the years avoid tonsillectomies by using uh, herbal medicine. Well, we're going back to the onion weed, Dennis. Okay. Now, Colleen, okay. you're at Cessnock. You reckon you've got a cure for this dreaded onion-like smelling weed? I certainly have. Tell us about it, Colleen. It's called Terps. Oh, good old Terps. <laughs> you get yourself a fine paintbrush, yes. an artist's paintbrush. Yes. And you dip that into the Terps and you paint for about an inch down from the top of the leaf down. Okay. It will go right down and kill the onion seeds at the base. Okay. And then you can pull the whole thing out mm-hmm. and you don't spread it. Gee, I've that... got a big backyard yeah. and I don't have onion weed. I bet you did a bit of painting. Uh, no, it doesn't take long. Okay. And well, I can assure you that that works. Well, I believe you. I and believe the, you. It, it goes slowly down the yep. leaf, yep. right down to the base. Yep. And you'll see it all go did, you know, with Look, it. Look, I, I believe that. I, I believe that Cessnock is the font of wisdom in the Hunter Valley. And uh, it's a place where a lot of lot of information Are you just saying later. that because I grew no, up there no, and you live there? No, I live in Cessnock. I know. This, this lady has got some very wise uh, information there. And I believe it. And I thank her for ringing up. And I'll take it on board. And uh, fortunately, at this stage, I haven't got uh, too much onion weed in my yard. In fact, I haven't got much in my yard at present, but if I do, I'll take on board this lovely lady's information. Get your artistic side happening, Dennis. Look, we've kind of run out of time. We'll have to do this as a two-parter. I know you want to continue the discussion on weeds. I do. And the stinging nettle, and we'll get into its medicinal properties, but we'll have to do that next week. Oh, look, I'd love to do that because to do justice to the stinging nettle, (coughs) you really need to look at the multiple ways in which it's used in medicine, even to this day. And a very final note, uh, Jenny from Brankster rang up to say that Pat Collins from Musselbrook has a number of books, including uh, one that is The Wondrous World of Weeds. Isn't that great? So there you go. Three books we've mentioned on weeds today. This one by this lovely girl in the Hunter Valley, Pat Hunter, and uh, Audrey Hatfield's book, How to Enjoy Your Weeds, and Willie Smith's books, Wonders in Weeds. Dennis, have a great week. We'll be back to do it all again with you next time around. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.